0: We want to continue where we left off a little bit this morning in the book of Romans in chapter 12. We've been talking about God supplying information for us to know how to serve him uh, in a proper way. Remember, we talked about uh, all the way back in the book of uh, Romans in the beginning, the first 11 chapters, God has given us all the theological doctrinal truth he is taught us about his, his great wonders, who he is and his purposes. And then when you get to chapter 12, although it's, it continues part of that theme, he tells us how he wants us to serve him. And it's interesting, you'll find, and I have found, that the Lord never tells us what to do without telling us how to do it and supplying us the power to do it. He never tells us what to do without telling us how to do it and supplying us the power to do it. And we'll see that through this section. So God wants uh, his people, his uh, chosen people, meaning the church, the nation of Israel can be included in that, both Jew and Gentile that are in Christ, have trusted the Lord Jesus Christ as Messiah, as Savior, that God tells us how to serve him. First of all, he wants us to serve him with humility. We saw that this morning. Uh, and we saw that in verse 3, Romans 12, 3. For I say, through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God has dealt to every man, literally a, or the measure of faith. So God has, uh, wants us to re- to recognize that whatever, however we serve the Lord, whatever spiritual gift, and I'll include that a little bit later on, whatever he gives you, you're to serve him with that ability, not looking for more necessarily, not looking for something different, but to use him, to serve him with that ability that he has given you. And if you do anything that's worthy of any kind of praise, it's because of him, not because of what you have done. So to think soberly. Make sure that you are thinking uh, logically. Uh, This is God. God wants me to serve him with humility because he's given me the gift. He's given me the power via the spirit of God. And he gives me a reward, and I deserve none of it. But he's given it all over to me. Then he tells us in Romans chapter 12, verses 4 and 5, that he wants us to serve him in unity. We're part of a body. We're not lone soldiers. There are no lone soldiers out there. Uh, in Christendom, we're all part of a body. We're all serving with great, uh, a great, the great body of Christ in our local assembly, obviously, and then there's a church universal out there that's bringing gospel to the whole world. But God wants us to recognize we're not on our own. We're part of a body, and we see that starting in verses 4 and 5. For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, so we, being many, are one body in Christ, and every one members one of another. So we're, we're part of the same body. We're, we may be an appendage. We could be something, uh, some part of the body that God is choosing to use for His honor and His glory. But there's nothing that I can claim that I'm on my own doing all this. No, I'm part of a body. Remember, we saw this morning. There's one that plants. Paul dug the furrows and put in the seed. Apollos watered the seed, but it's God that gave the increase. We're all part of a team, <coughs> excuse me, doing something to serve the Lord, and God brings it all together for, for His own purposes. So we saw we were to serve with unity. And then we said we were to serve with purpose. And here's where we left off serve with purpose. Now, what's the purpose we're to serve? It's for the edification of the body. The edification of the body. Uh, though we're all, for example, to tell others about Christ, we're all to make sure we evangelize, to give out the gospel, that's not the only thing a Christian to do. There's jobs within the church that builds up the church so the church can continue to function to go out and give out the gospel. Uh, there are some members of the church, and we'll see a little later on, that have a gift of evangelism. We would call them uh, mostly are modern-day missionaries, but there are some people within local churches that just seem to be able to share the gospel with everyone. Uh, people, people come their way and say things like, well, what do you think about religion? No, people never ask me that, but they would ask some people in our local assembly that, and you have a chance to open up the gospel of Christ to them. I may not get that chance, but you do because you've been given this spiritual gift of evangelism, Um, where I am to evangelize when I have a chance to tell someone about Christ. I do that, but my spiritual gift is, uh, I see, more to teach you so you're edified and built up so you can go out and do that work of the ministry. So we're going to look at this together. Remember, it's a unit. To serve with purpose is for the edifying of the body of Christ. Let's go to Ephesians for a moment, please. (coughs) The book of Ephesians. There's several passages in Ephesians we could look at, but I only want to look at a couple so we can move on, because we're to serve with purpose. There's a purpose in my serving, and it's to edify the body of Christ, to build up the body of Christ, if you would, to oil the body of Christ so it's fluent in, in its actions and its activity to go out and serve the Lord there are men in our local assembly here who who are, 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 they oversee our building. Why do they go through that? Well, so we'll be warm when we come in here. It'd be awful hard for you to sit and shiver and learn something. Uh, it's clean uh, so that you can sit in a chair without getting stuck to it, you know. Um, th- there's, there's people doing all kinds of things, and why do they do that? So the gospel can go out, yes, yes, but also so the Body's edified so the gospel can go out. It's all part of a unity of the body of Christ functioning together. Okay, I said for you to turn to Ephesians. Look at chapter 2 for a moment and picking it right up, please, and right in verse 19. Paul talking to the church at Ephesus. This is on the far western coast of, of, of what we know to be Turkey today. Uh, in Ephesians chapter 2, look at verse 19. Now, therefore, ye are no more strangers and sojourners, but fellow citizens with the saints and are of the household of God. You're built upon the foundation of the, the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ Himself being the chief cornerstone. In whom? In Christ. Remember, He's the head of the body. We looked at that this morning. He's the head of the body, He's the director of the body, if you would and we're we're the functioning body of Christ, in whom, in Christ, all the building fitly framed together groweth unto a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are built together for a habitation of God through the Spirit. So God has fitly framed us together. The only term you can think of is fitly framed. You've driven by a house or a building that was being put up and you see that there's two by fours in the wall, or two by sixes, whatever case may be. You see these structures in the wall, and there's many of them, many of them. What do they do? Well, first of all, they hold, the, the, hold up the roof. They hold the building together. They hold the sheeting on the sides of it. They hold the, the uh, insulation that goes in, s- inside. They hold the sheetrock. They're part of the building. They're not the only part. There's other parts of the building that are needed, that's true, but they're a part of the building. And you may be a two-by-four within the building. You could be a roof rafter within the building. You're something, but it's in the building, see? And we're all part of this building process for what? For a habitation of God. We're not talking about a literal building here. We're talking about the body of Christ, recognize. But the analogy is given, we're built together. We all have spiritual gifts, and God wants us to make sure that we're striving together. uh, Paul says to the Philippians for the faith of the gospel. We're all headed in one direction, and what's that? To honor our Lord Jesus Christ with everything we are, with everything we have. Why? Because He's the head of the body, He's given us all direction. Now, back with me, if you could, please, and this is where we'll pick it up for tonight in Romans chapter 12. With to serve with unity. What's the purpose? That the body grows spiritually, grows uh, biblically in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And as we grow, functioning together, serving together, we will use our spiritual gifts together. Now, please understand about spiritual gifts. We're going to take just a moment on this. Spiritual gifts are for the functioning of the body of Christ. They are not talents, they are spiritual gifts. There's no such spiritual gift of piano playing. There's no gift like that. It's never mentioned in the scriptures anywhere. Now, I am so thankful for the piano players we have, aren't you? I'm thankful for the musical people that we have. But We could have a guy come in off the street or a woman come in off the street and they're involved in an acid rock band and beat on the same keys. Now we wouldn't let them, right? But they could come in and they could be very gifted in music. They could be extremely gifted in music, we we use the term gifted. They could be very, very talented in music and play horrible stuff, you see? Spiritual gifts that are given to the body of Christ cannot be duplicated by the world. They can't be duplicated by the world. Why? Because they're spiritual. They're not physical. You can have a beautiful, uh, angel-like, the term is used, voice. That's not a spiritual gift. It's a talent. It's an ability. And thank you for singing. As a matter of fact, we could use you in the choir. you, you can have a beautiful voice, but listen, unsaved people can sing derogatory songs about God. See, it, it's not a spiritual gift. It's a talent. It's an ability. The spiritual gifts are mentioned in the scriptures. Now, I have run into people who said, well, not all the spiritual gifts are mentioned in the scriptures. Personally, I believe they all are. They are mentioned here, the book of First Corinthians, the book of Ephesians, and some even in the book of Peter and Acts. But I believe all the spiritual gifts that are given to the church are mentioned in the scriptures. And, but the reason people say, well, not, they're not all mentioned, because look at the way different people minister. Well, let's look at that for a moment together, just to see what God says about these. First of all, let's look at these spiritual gifts. Mentioned in Romans chapter 12, starting right in... Uh, verse 6, having then gifts differing, different gifts. We all have these different gifts. Gifts differing according to the grace that is given unto us. Whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith. Or ministry, let us wait on our ministering, or he that teacheth on teaching. He that exhorteth on exhortation, he that giveth, let him do it with liberali- liberality. I can never say that word. Uh, he that ruleth with diligence, he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. Now remember, <clears throat> your gift is not for people outside of this church. Your gift is for people within the church. Now does that mean you have the gift of, uh, of mercy or cheerfulness, so, but you can go outside and be grumpy? No, that's not what it's talking about. The reference here has to do with functioning in the body of Christ, and you are out there what you are in here. You're no different. But your gift is for in here. It's for us. When you you have the gift of exhortation, you challenge us with your words, with your life. When you, you have the gift of mercy, you help us in our times of need. But this is only a few of the gifts mentioned. Uh, several of the gifts are mentioned back in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, if you'd go there with me. We all have spiritual gifts, at least one, the scripture tells us. We all have at least one spiritual gift, and your spiritual gift is for the body of Christ. It's to use in your local assembly. We're in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, <clears throat> what I want you to notice now is Paul's talking about spiritual gifts starting in verse 1 to a, to a church that needed some real serious help because of, of their uh, mixing up, if you would, the word of God and the will of God and the program of God, the Corinthian church. But Paul mentions in 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 4, Now there are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. So there are different diversities, different different. Types of gifts. There's all different types of gifts, but it's the same Holy Spirit. Now, continue on, please. And there are differences of administration of what? Of the gifts. There's different ways people use their different gifts, but it's the same Lord. And there are diversities of operations, but it's the same God who worketh all in all. So let's pick it up in verse 7 for a moment for the manifestation of the spirit is given to every man to profit. Go back up to verse 11. But all these work at that one and very same spirit dividing to every man, every Christian man, woman, every person that's saved severally as he wills. So in the body of Christ, all of us have at least one spiritual gift and some have uh, more than that but we all use our different spiritual gifts in different ways to accomplish the will of God. Just as our personalities are different, just as our fingerprints are different, our faces are different, so the way we use spiritual gifts will be different, but it's always, always according to the word of God by the spirit of God. You never go outside of the parameters of the scripture. You can't do that. Why? Because it's laid out for us how you're going to orchestrate your spiritual gift. It's it's throughout the scriptures, the New Testament, this is how you carry through with your spiritual gift. Now, some of the gifts mentioned here, for example, are temporary gifts. Let me say this. There were the temporary spiritual gifts given to the church, the sign gifts, and then there were the permanent gifts given to the church for the Uh, functioning of the body of Christ through the generations. The temporary spiritual gifts were given prior to the New Testament completion, prior to the completion of the canon. Those were the temporary sign gifts given to the church. Now, why was that? Well, because remember, we have a new entity Old Testament ends, 400 silent years, as we mentioned a little while ago. These 400 silent years. Then all of a sudden comes Messiah. And Messiah came unto his own, and his own rejected him. He went through three and a half years, or three years of ministry. And then he told his disciples, there's something new coming. There's something new coming. You you don't exactly know what it is yet, but he's coming. He's the blessed spirit of God the blessed spirit, he's coming. And when he comes, he'll point to me in my ministry. Remember Romans, I mean, John chapter 14, then John chapter 15, uh, 16, he's coming. And when he comes, he's going to be doing something. He's with you now. He's Why? Because Christ was there. Wherever Christ is, of course, the spirit. He's with you now, but then he'll be in you. Something new's coming. And you imagine the Jews back then, I got, their mind must have just been, whoa, what, what is all this about? They didn't have the information we have. How could they completely understand? Well, God says they're coming, the Lord Jesus. And when the Spirit of God came, what happened? Signs began to happen through the apostles and prophets. What were some of the signs? Well, for example, right out of the chute was the gift of tongues. The gift of tongues. They spoke instantaneously with the languages of everyone that was part of the known world at that time. Look it up in Acts, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and on and on and on and on and on. Everyone that came to Jerusalem to worship, the center of worship of the known world uh, for for the Lord in Jerusalem, when they came there for Passover, and of course for Pentecost, when they came there, the, the disciples spoke in a language that they did not know that they had not previously understood, had not previously known. They began to speak, and even in dialects of different languages. So God um, began with this gift of uh, tongues. Now, some people like to think, well, perhaps that's continuing today. I don't see that. Only because tongues, we read in the book of 1 Corinthians, a little further on and we won't go there, tongues were for a sign. They were a sign miracle. Just like miracles, I'm an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, really? You're an apostle? Yes. Okay. Um, But this this guy down the street, he calls himself an apostle too. Yeah, but I raised the dead. And, 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 And I can heal people. Not just people who believe, but anyone my shadow runs over. It's a sign to authenticate the message and the messenger. These miraculous sign gifts were given. But there were also some other gifts needed, and I want to show you that. We are now, please, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Look, if you would, please, at verse 8. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit. Now, I want to be very careful because this this is, you know, controversial, obviously. To me, these were gifts that were available prior to the completion of the Bible. What do I mean by that? Well, for example, the gift of wisdom and the gift of knowledge. The church didn't have, here's a new church, here's 10,000 people. Right off the bat, in the first couple weeks of the the Lord's, uh, ascension up to glory, and Peter uh, ministering in Jerusalem, there's about 10,000 new Christians. Fine. Now what do we do? Now what do we do? How, what do, we, how do we act? How do we differentiate ourselves? Now they met together for the, for, the, for the teaching of the apostles and prophets, but can you imagine 10,000 people all of a sudden? It appears to me, and this is my thinking, that God gave some a word of wisdom. And some knowledge what to do prior to the Bible being completed. See, once the Bible's completed, all you need to do is look in this, right? The simplest person can understand the word of God. There's some of us that, you know, don't have great education, but I can understand the word. I can get wisdom from this book. And knowledge was the ability to know what to do prior to, prior to the, the canon being completed, prior to the New Testament scriptures being completed. We need to know what to do. If you came to me and said, listen, I'm not sure what to do in this case. Well, today I can refer you to a Bible passage. Why? Because we have all that we need to know g- now f- from the scriptures. He's given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. So we have it all now. There's no longer a need for wisdom, though we want wise people among us, but there's no longer a need for that miraculous gift of wisdom or knowledge. But there are functioning gifts. I mentioned, functioning gifts. What what are some of the functioning gifts? Well, look together, if you would, please, in verse uh, 9. To another, faith by the same spirit. To another, the gifts of healing by the same spirit. Again, the miraculous gifts. There were were miraculous gifts that God gave for the purpose of uh, identifying the, the the message and the messenger to another the working of miracles to another prophecy to another discerning of spirits to another various kinds of tongues to another the interpretation of tongues so god lets us know there's the miraculous out there and those miraculous authenticated the message and the messenger but then there are gifts that we need to keep on functioning as the body of christ to keep on going those gifts have ceased and now God continues on with the functioning gifts. Why have those gifts ceased? Now, please let, understand this. Prophecy is gone. Why we have the completed Bible? There are some people, and they exist today. God spoke to me, and he wants me to tell you this. Listen, if a person says that to you, run. Run. First of all, if he's saying, I was reading a Bible passage, and I'd like to share that with you. Okay, I get it. I mean, I've said that myself. I was reading this, and God wants me to share this with you. But if he says he heard a voice, something new, and God wants you to know this, something new. I'm a prophet. He's a liar. He's a liar. Because we have the completed word of God. If you don't have a completed word of God, we are above all men most miserable if we don't have a completed word of God. Why? Well, we better run. There's a, there's a guy over there in Turkey, and he calls himself a prophet. We better run over there and figure out what, what's he saying. What, what's God saying over here? There's people down south. We've got to run down there. What, what did God say to them? See, if we don't have a completed word, then we don't know completely the will of God through the word of God. But God said he's given to us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. What about this discerning of spirits? I want to tell you, you can do that, can't you? You can discern spirits. You're talking to someone and they tell you something that they believe God would have you to do. And you look at God's word and he says, no, that's not what I want you to do. You can say, listen, you're of a wrong spirit. You're you're of a wrong spirit. Uh, We can discern spirits, how? By the word of God. Back then, remember, they didn't have the completed word of God. They needed to know about certain things. Certain people would come and say, I'm Christ or "I'm, I'm a prophet or I have the gift of teaching. Remember, Paul said to the Um, the church at Ephesus, thou hast tried those who say they are apostles and has found them liars. How did they check out those people? By the word of God. By the word of God. So we recognize that there were the temporary gifts and they're off the scene, but now there are the functioning gifts for the body of Christ. And what are some of these functioning gifts. Is that, well, that's what we want to see together. So go back with me, if you could, please, to the book of Romans once again. The book of Romans once again. The functioning gifts are for the body of Christ, so there is a fluent motion within the body. So uh, God is working among us, through us, as you use your spiritual gift. Now, not all the spiritual gifts uh, will be... Um, completely manifest to all of us. For example, let's look at this, if we could, please, picking it up in uh, in verse 6 again. We see that prophets are gone. Prophecy is gone. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given unto us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith. Now, we have several different prophets in the scriptures that uh, did not write scripture, Right? For Agabus, for example, was he not a prophet? Of course he was. Um, Most intriguing to me is Philip's daughters were uh, were female prophets. We don't know what they said. We have no clue what they said. It's not recorded for us. But there were prophets that were outside of, let's say, the 12. And there were some who were, for sake of, of argument, we'll call them lesser prophets. And then you had men like Paul. A prophet could be someone who speaks before an audience. We would rather call the, have the gift of teaching. Or it can be someone who speaks before an event takes place or before this can be known. That would be the true gift of prophecy, in my opinion, uh, that would be given to, uh, to us. Uh, this is God's revealed truth, God's word. But who were some of the greatest prophets in the scriptures? Well, I'd say Peter was one as he wrote. And uh, Paul, of course, was one. But Paul did not have complete knowledge of the whole end scene, did he? Who, Who knew? Who was given complete knowledge of the whole end time scene? Well, that was John. So Peter had a proportion of faith. Paul had a proportion of faith. And as we continue on, John had a proportion of faith, having to do with prophecy, with speaking, uh, new Revelation. But notice as we continue on, please. Verse 7, we have the gift of ministry. Now, this is an interesting gift. The gift has to do with, this gift of ministry has to do with uh it's really a serviceable labor to the body, ministry, ministering one to another. It can be using the word, obviously. We're all supposed to encourage one another with the word of God. But the person who menaces the body, we get the word deacon from this, someone who serves. Uh, they, they can be teachers, obviously, but this term is to uh, serve the functional, physical needs of the body. Now, we won't take time to go to this, but in Acts chapter 7, we have an example of this where the apostles... Uh, you know, the church is growing, 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 but there was needs in their local assembly, and apparently the Grecian widows, the church was supposed to take care of all widows, the Grecian widows were being neglected some for some reason, and it seemed like maybe the Jewish people were getting more than the Grecians, and, and the apostles reported to this and they, the, to the assembly. I can't imagine there being a meeting up on the top of the temple, with thousands of people, and they said, okay, select from yourselves seven men full of honest report, full of the Holy Spirit, and so forth, and, uh, and we want them to watch over this matter. Now, you have about 10,000 people, and you have seven people to, uh, to wait on these people. Let me tell you, that's not going to work out. It's not going to work out. So w- what do we have a setup? What we have is a setup where these men oversaw the ministering to other people. It's like our our deacons within our local assembly, they can't do everything themselves. There's just too much to do. So what do they do? They oversee certain parts of the church. The nursery is overseen another part of the church. Uh, plowing, overseeing, spreading sand, overseeing, lights, overseeing. This is all part of the functioning of the body, and it's to minister physically to people. Not necessarily spiritually, but, of course, that's part of it. We're all to make sure we're ministering to one another, encouraging one another in the Word, but there's physical needs that are needed in the body of Christ, and we we see that all among us. I want to look at just a couple of examples to that. Uh turn with me, please, to, oh, let's look at, uh, for example, 2 Timothy chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1. There was a woman named Dorcas. What did she do? Well, she preached great sermons to the body, right? No, she made coats for people. She, she made physical need uh, objects for people. And remember, when Peter got there, they held up these ladies, and, look at what Dorcas made. She made this for me. I needed a sweater in the winter. It gets cold in Jerusalem. It gets cold. She, she gave her a sweater. She made a sweater for her. We're in uh, the book of uh Timothy. Did I say Second Timothy? Yes, I did. Okay, the book of Second Timothy. And I'd like you to look with me, please, at chapter 1. 2 Timothy, chapter 1. Look with me, please at uh, uh, verses 16 through 18. This is Onesiphorus, 2 Timothy 1 uh, and verse 16. It appears as if Onesiphorus has died. He's gone home to be with the Lord. And the reason I say that is Paul uses it in the past tense. But notice, picking up in verse 16. The Lord give mercy unto the house of Onesiphorus. um, For he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chain but when he was in Rome he sought me out very diligently and found me the lord grant unto him that he may find the mercy of the lord in that day and in how many things he ministered unto me at ephesus thou knowest very well so we don't know exactly what Anisophorus did but we know he ministered to paul to paul's needs remember he told timothy when when you come in Second timothy when you come bring my cloak and bring the scrolls, bring the scriptures, bring the word of God with you. Uh, That was a physical ministering to a need Paul had. Uh, Historians tell us that when someone was in prison, they they wouldn't eat unless someone brought them some food. Maybe Ones of Force did that. Um, How did he minister to Paul? We don't know that exactly, but what we do know is he did minister to him. So we know it to be the gift of ministry. Phoebe is mentioned in Romans chapter 16, having that gift of ministry, ministering to the needs of the body, both male and uh, female, of course. Turn back with me, please, to the book of Romans again. And I would challenge you, look through these spiritual gifts. Look and see, how does God use you? In what way? And what is your desire to be used of the Lord? And then... Uh, investigate that, investigate that. Make sure that uh, that truly is what the Lord would have for you. Uh, it's easy to get discouraged sometimes in some of these things. If you're not keeping your eyes fixed on the Lord, uh, sometimes we, we, we reach out with emotion to do something, and, and we get burnt. Why? Because people are just going to hurt you, that's all. We hurt one another. I don't mean it, but I do. I didn't intend for it to go that way, but it happened, and people get hurt. And we have, uh, I mentioned there there are missionary casualties. They come home from the field. That's not what they expected. That's not what they thought. But recognize, if God, if I've heard this mentioned in several ways, and let me just mention to you the way I think it should be, the will of God will not lead you where the Spirit of God cannot keep you. If you're going somewhere to do something, and you're sure it's God's will, he can keep you there. Now, obviously, there's, you know, a missionary is on the field. They're in their 80s. They're in their 70s. They maybe become violently ill. They can't stay there anymore. But just to quit because it's too hard, the Lord didn't want you there. You decided on it. You decided on it. And that happens sometimes in churches as well, does it not? People get involved with ministries. And then someone steps on their spiritual piggy toe, and and they quit. They quit. Why? Oh, people hurt my feelings. Well, listen, yeah, and you hurt people's feelings as well. Has God called you to minister? Then you minister, that's all. You minister to the body. Someone's always going to say something dumb. It'll probably be me, Okay? That's always going to happen. But what do you do? Well, you go on. Why? God called me to do this. God gave me a spiritual gift to minister. And this is what I'm going to do to serve the Lord. So there's that gift of ministry. Then go down a little further, please. Or he that teacheth on teaching. This is an uh, expounding the word of God. It's illumination. Now listen, you're a teacher, but you're not coming up with anything new. Nothing new. If you sit under a teacher, he comes up with something new, leave. There's nothing new. It's the word of God. Okay. What's the job of a teacher? He's an index finger into the word, comparing the scriptures with the scriptures. And he has to do it under the power of the Holy Spirit or he's going to mess it up. He'll just mess it up. So he has to use his index finger and point to the word of God. Let's see here. God says it here. Look at compare here. Look at over here. Here's how it all fits together. It's illumination. It's not new revelation. Because there's nothing in this book that has changed. It's all illumination. So just like the job of the Holy Spirit, Jesus said he's not going to talk about himself. He's going to talk about me. And so our job, someone who teaches, is to point out. Now, again, this is not necessarily... um, How do I... Let me say it this way. There are people out there... Who teach in schools, secular schools or, or Christian schools, perhaps, and they are excellent at their job, that person can explain math of all things. That person, they can explain math. So even if I sat, no, maybe if not me, but others, someone else sat there would understand math, calculus and, and triangles and all this stuff that goes with it. They can explain it perfectly, and they're a good teacher, but you get them in here, try to teach the Word, can't do it, can't do it, because one is an ability and a talent to teach secular things, if I can put it that way, and the other is an ability and a spiritual gift to teach spiritual things. Now. It happens all over. There are people, some people think they're great teachers, and they're the only one because everyone else sits there and thinks, what in the world? They never got to a point. They never got their point across. They were unable to bring it all together to tell us the history and the theology and, and bring it all into a point. They weren't able to do that. And there's some people who try to take on the gift of t- teaching, and they just don't have that ability. Now we're all to teach one another. We're all to encourage one another. That's for sure. But that doesn't mean you necessarily have the gift of teaching. You could. And so, if you feel like I have the gift of teaching, how, how do I start this? Well, you work with, with within the teaching group. Uh, you you go to the ones that are overseeing that, and you say, listen, I feel God would have me to teach the Word, and we'll start you off. That's how I start off. I start off teaching little kids. If you can teach a little kid, you can get something across to an adult. There's no question about it. So I start off by teaching little kids, and I enjoyed it, loved it, and then they moved me up, moved me up, moved me up, and finally moved me into a position of teaching the adult classes. But it took years to develop, it took years to grow and years of study, but God began to use me in that way to teach the word of God. So there's teaching and it's the purpose of illumination. Here's what God's word says, here's how it works out, here's how it fits together in the whole of scriptures and here's what you do with what God said. Then, if we can, (coughs) notice on exhortation. Now what's exhortation? Well, it's just simply this. (coughs) It's to come to the side of another to help by way of encouragement, exhortation. It's to help someone by way of encouragement. And Paul talks about this gift. Till I come, uh, he tells Timothy, till I come, give uh, attendance to reading, to exhortation and to doctrine. Challenging people with the word of God, but challenging them to be encouraged to serve Christ. Some people need encouragement. Now, there are people who need encouragement all the time, all the time. Uh, I, I guess I can understand it, but yet there's got to be a point where, okay, now you start encouraging other people. You can't always be needing encouragement. You need to encourage other people as well, you see. God blessed me with this, and I just want to encourage you. Yes, I went through that, and and I was downhearted, and, uh, and I was, uh, you know, I... Uh, I was uh, discouraged, and God God used someone to lift me up, and now I want to lift you up in the same way. It's that gift that just encourages uh, other people. And then there's the gift, for example, of giving, the spiritual gift of giving. I have a great illustration. I think it's a great illustration. You'll see if I'm a teacher or not. I have the gift of giving. What's the gift of giving? It's to give to other people. And other things. It has nothing to do with you. I have the gift of giving. See this? I have a pocket full of ones here. Uh, I, I have this money. And I want to exercise my spiritual gift. So I take it from my right pocket and I put it in my left. I did it. No, no, no. If God gives you the gift of giving, it's so that you can use that gift within the local church. It could be individuals. It could be giving to a a. a particular project, if you would. Now listen, you think, well, I don't have the the gift of giving, so I'm not giving anything to anybody. No, no, no. We're all to give to our local assembly, every single one of us. It doesn't tell you how much, but it says to give. We're all to give to our local assembly. But there are some people within the local assembly, and they have that special gift whereby they see a need in someone's life, and they supply that need. And you know what's great about that? Most of us never know it, never know it. And if you have a spiritual gift of exhortation, you'll see someone downhearted, and I see them, and I don't notice, and you do. And most of the time, all these spiritual gifts are used without the rest of us knowing it, without the rest of us even getting involved with it. Why? That's how the body of Christ works. That's how the body of Christ edifies itself, builds itself up. So there's the gift of giving. And Now, the gift of giving is mentioned in the scriptures, obviously. Uh, I I won't have you go there. Uh, For example, uh, the Macedonian Christians, uh, they gave from their deep poverty. First, they gave themselves to the Lord, and then they gave from their deep poverty. They say, well, I don't have much. You're not as poor as a Macedonian, believe me. You're not that poor. You're not that broke. <laughs> they gave. How did they give? They gave with their whole heart. And if you have the gift of giving, God blesses you. I, I, I'm amazed sometimes to listen to some of these preachers on TV. I don't listen to them anymore. For about 10 years now, I've stopped listening to them because I have to take too many Tums after I'm done. But uh, I listen to these guys, give your seed gift. You ever hear stuff like that? Give your seed gift. What's the guy saying? Give us money. Why is he saying it? He wants it. It's just that simple, you know. He's looking for for money. Well, when you have the gift of giving, and you give to a need or to an individual that has needs in the local assembly, uh, you, you... you then are blessed by God with more money. That's how it works, see? Now, why does he give you more money? So you can give it away again. Not so you can keep it. Not so you can amass a fortune. That's not God's purpose. God's purpose is to bless you so you can be a blessing to other people. But there's some people giving so they'll get a lot, right? And then what? It's for me. No, no. Anything God gives you is so that you can Help someone else out in the local assembly. And sometimes, folks, you're going to get burnt. You're just going to get burnt. I've mentioned this before. My wife and I, we saw a need for someone. And we perceived it to be a great need. And we prayed about it together. And we decided, okay, we're going to help them. And we gave them our year's vacation money. Now, it wasn't a lot. Five bucks is just a little bit of money, right? But I'm just kidding. It wasn't five dollars. But we we gave them our vacation money because we said... They, they told us what a great need they had. They went on vacation with my vacation money. <laughs> Listen, I got burnt. I got burnt. Does that mean we stop? No, no. You see, we have to use a little more discernment later on. And, and we, we, we try to be careful. But recognize that God blesses you so that you can be a blessing to others. God gives you the gift of exhortation so you can sit back and say, listen, I'm king. No, no, so you can encourage people. God gives you the gift of teaching so that you can be all puffed up and all excited what a great teacher you are. No, your gift is for the edification of the body, you see. Your spiritual gift is not for you, it's for me. And my spiritual gift is not for me, it's for you. So we use these spiritual gifts. Now, we're gonna stop right there. There's a the gift of ruling, what's that? Well, that's the king, obviously. Well, no. What that is is the oversight to be able to run a ministry in the church. Just the oversight to be able to run it. Now, that doesn't mean you're the king of that ministry, but you see something in the church. This really needs, this could use some organization. Then maybe God's calling you to that. No, maybe not. Maybe you're going to mess it up to get in there. But, see, you begin to work through these things. You start to use these things that you feel God would have you. I heard a guy say one time, and I'm going to close with this. He said, do you want to know what your spiritual gift is? Of course I do. What bugs you about this place? Huh? What do you see that maybe some of us are, are lacking in a little bit? Now, if you say, well, I don't like Pastor Rob or Bill, too bad, you know, about that. But if you just say, um, if you say, well, I think this could run better, or this might be able to, be a little better. Then you meet with the pastors and you say, here's how I think it could work better. And we'll encourage you in that. Either tell you why it can't work better that way or encourage you that maybe it can and maybe you can get involved. But it's not the gift of knowledge where you know what to do but don't do anything. See? It's the gift of working. You come in and you do something. All of us have at least one spiritual gift. You need to find out what yours is, and you need to use it. Because if you don't, it's called sin. It may take a long time for you to know what it is, make a long time developing it, but we all have at least one spiritual gift, and we need to use it in our local assembly. And God tells us how to use it, when to use it, where to use it, and the Holy Spirit gives us the power to use it and then it'll give you a reward for using it. What a great God we serve. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for your revealed truth. Lord, there's so much about spiritual gifts we could talk about. There's so much that we could examine. And yet, Father, your word shows us plainly how we're to use our spiritual gifts, when we're to use them, where we're to use them, and, Father, that we're to use them under the power of the Spirit. Thank you for this time together. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.